0: Welcome to episode 38 of Crime Time for Thursday, January 31st on fayobserver.com. I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news and hearing from those involved. And a reminder, anyone we discuss who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. It's been more than 80 years since former Fayetteville Police Chief J. Ross Jones was found shot in the left temple with his own 45 caliber pistol. He was found in room 401 of the Prince Charles Hotel on Hay Street in downtown Fayetteville on August 9, 1935. In our continuing series of unsolved mysteries in the Cape Fear region, the Fayetteville Observer and FayObserver.com will feature the case in Sunday's paper. The reporter for the story was Michael Futch. He's here to talk about the story and the case. Let's see what he found out. Michael, welcome to Crime Time. Let's talk a little bit about the story and how interesting it is. Let's start with setting the scene on that night in 1935 when the chief was found dead in the room of the Prince Charles. What, what can you tell us uh, happened that night?
1: Well, you set it up well, Sonny. The 41-year-old chief of police uh, was found sprawled on his, on, the, on his back on a bed in room 401 of the Prince Charles Hotel. And apparently it was his wife, Allie, which was uh, the way he would always address her. She found him along with a couple. They were friends from Sanford, the Moffats. And they entered his unlocked room. And his wife was apparently overwhelmed by that. Uh, She realized that he was badly hurt. And she called Pittman Hospital. Which was at the time, it was across the road from the Prince Charles Hotel. Uh, a doctor ran to the hotel, checked his vital signs, and they moved him to the emergency room. Uh, but uh, he would never regain consciousness. and ross Jones J. Ross Jones died at five forty five the next day.
0: Well, you know, Michael, as best you can tell during your doing your research, for this story, and I know it, it had to be difficult because obviously nobody from that time is, is still around or unlikely to be around, but, but is, is anyone really sure what happened? I mean, was the chief murdered? Was it suicide, accident? Has anybody been able to determine?
1: It looks like more theories point to suicide uh, because you're talking about a man who was a World War I uh, hero. Uh, he, he was a police chief, he, for a brief time, was chief of the uh, Fayetteville Fire Department. Uh, he was no weakling, but yet how could someone have wrestled his revolver away from him? That's one thing you, that you think about. Uh, obviously, as the chief of police, he probably had some enemies, uh, yeah. but they never really determined if there had been foul play, Uh could have been a suicide could have been an accident or he could have it could have been a homicide he could have been murdered
0: did you find out anything about him like you know say say if it was a suicide and, and again we don't know but would there have been anything in his background was there any mental health issues that, that you could determine from uh, from doing your research
1: well it's kind of odd his father like three or four years earlier who had also been uh, a chief of police here in Fayetteville? Uh, he committed suicide. Oh, okay. So you wonder,
0: did that run through the family? I don't know. And and to this day, there really has been no final uh, what, ruling what. on it. Uh, and I guess is the case still quote unquote open? Or it is a cold
1: case. It's uh, it is still open because there's never really been a a true final determination on it from everything that i read and this was an unusual story in that almost all of it came from archives it was almost like putting together a thesis i enjoyed it
0: okay well it sounds interesting i hope the folks will check it out in sunday's fayevil observer or on Fayeobserver.com as part of the continuing unsolved mysteries and this one is still unsolved and it may never be solved nice work on that Another cold case that was in the news earlier this week was the arrest of Anthony Keith Grant of North Charleston, South Carolina. Grant has been charged in connection with a rape that occurred on October 24, 1987. That's more than 30 years ago. Joining us on Crime Time is Fable Police Officer Jeremy Strickland, who is with the Office of Community Affairs. Officer Strickland, welcome to Crime Time. Tell us about this case that dates back more than 30 years, and before we talk about the investigation itself that led to Grant's arrest, tell us what happened in this case.
2: So back in the 80s, unfortunately, a female was a victim of the rape. She was a clerk getting ready to open up a gas station on Pamely Drive that is no longer there. When she opened up the gas station, the uh, suspect, he came in, Mr. Grant came in, he raped her, and then he robbed the store. So in 1987, the police department investigated it, but they didn't have any good leads, and basically the case went cold. Back in 2015 and 2016, though, the police department received two grants, which were the Sexual Assault Kid Initiative grant, and this was part of one of those grants. So fortunately... Having that money available, we were able to send off the sexual assault kit, got a match, and it led to the rest of Mr. Grant.
0: Okay, so, so and of course, back then, DNA testing, I don't believe, was available, and I'm sure that uh, had something to do with this process as well.
2: Yes, sir. Back in the 80s, I and mean, we were talking 30 years ago, and things back then are not like they are now as far as DNA testing. DNA was very very new knowledge back then and as far as the testing goes i mean it has changed dramatically over 30 years so i mean we are so thankful that we were able to bring justice to this victim
0: now what is Grant's status i know uh, waiting on extradition back to cumberland county has he arrived or, or what is the process there
2: so he has to go through a an appeal process if he wants to appeal or waive his right to extradition so if he does appeal he's going to It's going to take a little bit to get him back to Cumberland County, but if he waives that, he'll be back in Cumberland County. As of today, he is not back here yet.
0: And then he'll go through the court process and the legal proceedings, and uh, they will either find him uh, uh, guilty or not guilty.
2: Yes, sir. That is correct.
0: All right. Well, we'll see what happens with this case once it reaches the courtroom. That's Officer uh, Jeremy Strickland with the Fayetteville Police Department. State Attorney General Josh Stein and state lawmakers have proposed legislation that would push forward on the testing of an existing backlog of sexual assault kits in law enforcement custody. Stein, joined by bill sponsors and state representatives that included Fayetteville's Billy Richardson, unveiled the Standing Up for Rape Victims Act proposal during a news conference in Raleigh. The legislation, also known as the Survivor Act, would mandate submitting sexual assault evidence collection kits statewide for testing to an accredited lab for local law enforcement agencies. This, according to Stein, would deliver justice to more sexual assault victims and prevent backlogs from occurring in the future. Now, as mentioned by Officer Strickland in our previous segment, as of January 14th, Fayetteville police no longer had a backlog of untested rape kits. How to stop? For a Cop. That was the name given to a special program held recently at Fayetteville State University and sponsored by the school's collegiate chapter of the NAACP. An interesting and timely topic indeed in the world we live in. Let's bring back Michael Futch to Crime Time, who attended the program. Among those speaking were Cumberland County Sheriff Ennis Wright, Fayetteville Police Chief Gina Hawkins, Hope County Sheriff Hubert Peterkin, Michael, uh, as I mentioned, you attended. What what was the message from the event? What what did the the people get out of it, and what were the law enforcement officers trying to uh, pass along to those in attendance?
1: It was basically a very simple, uh, common-sense message. Uh, You shouldn't try to resist. And and the main thing that Peterkin, and he has written a book on this same topic, which is the same name, How to Stop for a Cop, Uh, His main message uh, was simply survive. Uh, Be polite. Uh, Don't try to be rude. Don't be mouthy. Be polite to the officer who is stopping you either at a traffic stop or at some other type of stop encounter. Uh, The other officers on hand, they added to it. uh, They added to the discussion uh but it all boiled down to that one simple thing was uh survive survive it move forward and make sure you got home safely
0: what did they stress about you know keep your hands in view at all time let officers see don't make any you know sudden movements that, that may draw attention
1: that that actually was never really discussed oh, wow. which which I was kind of surprised by that I'm surprised that it didn't go into more detail of basically the way you should handle that situation, uh, they did they did go far in saying that uh, that uh, officers are trained, they're trained to to not be pushy with people when when they stop them at, at uh, traffic stops, and they're trained obviously not to discriminate, which right. as as we've seen over the last few years, there have been cases of that
0: right i I know many law enforcement officers now wear body cameras i'm not sure how many uh, in the cape fear region do or have access to it and we've all seen that footage of incidents uh, on tv with state uh, throughout the state and throughout the country for that matter now getting access to that footage is a lot more difficult now than it was a a couple of years ago even if you're the victim so we may not be seeing as much footage if an incident happens do they address any of that Uh, they
1: did talk about that uh uh Chief Hawkins and Peterkin, I believe, and maybe Sheriff uh, Ennis Wright, Cumberland County Sheriff, Uh, they were all uh, in favor of the body cameras. They think it's a good thing. Uh, They know that a lot of people want them to release the videos in a lot of cases, but they say based on law, they're not able to do that. Uh, And I believe the individuals have to apply for that through a judge uh and that doesn't necessarily mean that they will get to see the footage or that the footage will be released
0: well michael i thank you for your time on crime time enjoyed it very much good work thank you sonny and other crime news from the past week federal arrest warrants have been issued for fort bragg soldiers sergeant edward Kume angwa and private ahmed Mohammed Matada who are accused of attempting to arrange sham marriages between soldiers and immigrants, offering cash, housing benefits, and furniture as incentive for potential brides, according to federal court documents. The investigation began in December when an agent for the Department of Homeland Security interviewed a female soldier about having an affair with a single soldier while she was married to another man. During the interview, court records show, the female soldier confirmed the marriage was fraudulent. 19-year-old Quadarius Deshaun Hodges of Fayetteville has been arrested in conjunction with a string of robberies since January 12th. That's according to Fayetteville Police. A second suspect, 17-year-old Kendall Brown of Dunn, is being sought at the time of this recording. If you have information on Brown's whereabouts, call the Sheriff's Office at 910-323-1500 or Crime Stoppers at 910 910- 483-TIPS. That's 483-8477. The Cumberland County Sheriff's Office had responded to two robberies at the Circle K at the intersection of Dunn and Murphy Roads in mid-January. Robinson County also had robberies that took place in that same time frame. The suspects were wearing the same or similar clothing. A Fayetteville police officer who was facing criminal charges involving a juvenile apparently shot himself last weekend in the median of Interstate 95 in Wilson County. That's according to the State Bureau of Investigation. The SBI identified the officer as 31-year-old Wade Lane Lee Jr., who had been employed by the Fayetteville Police Department since 2009. Warrants had been obtained for Lee's arrest based on the complaint and an investigation. That's it for episode 38 of Crime Time for Thursday, January 31st. Your comments and suggestions for Crime Time are welcome. You can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at FO Sonny Jones. Again, thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time.